Let's open our Bibles, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Did you ever have to wait for somebody? No. Never. Never. You know, you're just waiting and waiting and waiting and like, where are they? Where are they? You know, what's keeping them? Don't they know that, you know, that I'm here, like I'm important and I'm here and they're not here yet. I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. You know, this is making my life difficult. It's making me anxious, making me stressed out. And then finally they show up. You know, have you ever been like waiting for somebody like in a restaurant? This has happened to me. And you're waiting, you made this plan to meet somebody and you're waiting for the guy to show up or whatever. And he never shows up. And you're sitting there, first for a while you're, you're okay and then you start to get a little fidgety. And then you, you know, you read the newspaper just to make it look like you're not like an idiot. And, and then, you know, then you order food because you don't, you know, well, I didn't just come here just to sit here. So, and then finally you just leave, like frustrated. And has that ever happened to any, anybody else here? Waited for somebody that didn't bother showing up, didn't call you before the days of cell phones. That's happened to me. And, and you know, finally... In most cases, the people show up. They show up and they explain to you what happened, why they weren't there, and it all makes sense when it, when it finally comes together. Well, I want to talk one more week about the second coming of Jesus because it is something that we have to wait for. And we're waiting and waiting and waiting, and, and I don't know about you, but I'd like to see it happen today. I want it to happen now. I would like to, and, and, you know, I start to get like, can it, you know, how much more of this can I take? I'm getting stressed out. I'm getting anxious. I'm getting, you know, fed up with this world. When will it be? In this passage we're looking at today, there's a little bit more, some more answers. So the Bible is full of answers, but some more answers about what is yet to take place. What is going to happen? When will it happen for Jesus to return for us? We looked last time, we saw in the, in the kind of the introduction to this is that there were some, some things that would happen. Number one, there would be this apostasy, this falling away, this great turning away from the faith. And secondly, there would be this man of lawlessness or the Antichrist who would rise up onto the scene. And so we kind of pick it up there. Ultimately, today, what we're going to see in this, in this uh, second half of this is that Ultimately, it's in God's hands, completely in God's hands. And could there be anybody else that we would rather it be in his hands? When is he going to return? It's in his hands, and he knows when the right time is. Let's look at verses 5 through 10. He says, Paul says to the Thessalonians, Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back, that is the Antichrist so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit, miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil 
that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We pray our hearts would be open to hear what the Spirit says to the church today. In Jesus' name. Don't you remember, he says, don't you remember I talked about these things? And I, you know, I'm trying to picture in my mind what it was like. Paul the Apostle was there. And he was teaching them, and he was teaching them about a lot of different things. But it was very important that he taught them about the fact that Jesus was going to return, that he was going to come back. And, and you know, for us, it's important for us to, to study that, to understand that Jesus is going to come back. We're, we're not left without any hope. We have a festival of hope because we have hope in our Savior Jesus Christ that he is going to return. That, that Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so he's going to return, and, and for us to talk about it, it's an important subject. I feel sad for those people who believe, as we talked last time, you know, that he's already returned, that he's already here somewhere, in Peoria or somewhere. But he's not, he hasn't come back yet. What kind of hope is that if, if it's already happened and we missed it? We didn't miss it because he has yet to return. Paul said there, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, back in verse 3. For that day will not come until these things begin to happen, verse 3. Don't let anyone deceive you. There's going to be deception. There's going to be, you know, people who come along and, and as, as the Antichrist here, there's counterfeits. Jesus said there'll be false Christs, false messiahs who would come and, and, and say they were the answer. They were the one. Don't let anyone deceive you. He came once and he's going to return again. That's the hope, the blessed hope that you and I have. But when? We all want to know, well, when is it going to be? You know, this letter was written uh, close to 2,000 years ago. And he felt impressed that you need to know. You need to be ready. You need to be thinking about this. You need to be taught about this. So why hasn't it happened yet? When is it going to happen? And so we wait. We wait. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait. How many of you love to wait? It's your favorite. That's my favorite. Make it your new favorite, waiting. No. That was a slick reference to Elf. What? If you'd watch it, you'd know. I gave it to you. We're waiting. You know, we, we don't like to wait. We go to a restaurant, and if we have to wait like five minutes to get something, we're like, we start to panic. We start to get angry. Well, I'm not going to give her a tip. You know, it's not even her fault. We don't like to wait for anything. We don't like to wait in line. We don't like to wait. But, you know, part of life is waiting. Hurry up and wait if you join the service, right? How many of you have been in the service? God bless you. Thank you for serving our country. You get in there and you hurry up and then you wait. And then you hurry up and you wait again. But you know, some, there's good that happens in waiting. Because if it's not right, you don't want it yet. You know, if you got there and you ordered the steak and the steak wasn't even cooked yet and you get it and it's like completely red and all, you're going to say, I wish, I, I wish, you know, I'll wait a little longer if you'll just do it right. And so for us to wait till, till it's right, the time is perfectly right. And who knows when that is? Not you or I. It's not you or I. So keep that in mind when we're looking at these verses here. I want you to turn back to Luke chapter 12. 
Because again, this is a subject that Jesus talked about, Paul talked about, Peter talks about. It's found in, in all the uh, prophecies of the Old Testament. But Luke chapter 12, kind of this, uh, this idea about waiting. Luke chapter 12, verse 35. You find it here. Chapter 11, chapter 12, verse 35. He says, be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table and we'll come and wait on them. Wow. Verse 38, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or the third watch of the night. We see three things right there. A good three-point sermon, waiting, watching, and ready. Waiting, watching, and ready for the return of Jesus. Do we know when it's going to be? No, we don't know when it's going to be. Hebrews says this, the, the writer to the Hebrews says, Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. He's going to come back, not to die for sin. He's already died for sin. He doesn't need to do that again. He's coming back to bring salvation for those, to those who are waiting for Him. Are you waiting for Him? Or is it maybe never crossed your mind? Why should I wait? I got my life to lead. Watching, waiting, and ready. Keeping our eye to the sky. Back in 2 Thessalonians, he says this, in verses 6 and 7. And now, and now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. Now who is he talking about there? He's, in the context, he's talking about... Uh, <clears throat> the Antichrist, who is holding him back from completely being unrestrained. We talked about last time about he, he's somewhat restrained. But we see here he says that the, the, the power of lawlessness is already at work. There's, you already kind of, kind of see this lawlessness, this turning away from the faith, but it's going to get worse. He says, but there's something. First he says there's something, and then he says that there is one that is holding him back, that is restraining, that is keeping a hold on things. You say, well, what is that? Who is that? Well, you know, people have come up with different ideas. It was the Roman Empire. It was government. It was the archangel Michael. Well, well, I really believe that he's talking about the power of God and the Holy Spirit that's holding it back. The Holy Spirit is in complete and total control, and so he knows the time, and he's holding things back for that right time, the proper time that we know that is in his hands. It's God. It's God holding 
him back. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God in the church making a difference in the world today. Well, you say, well, it doesn't seem to be making much of a difference. And again, we kind of see that sliding towards that, uh, you know, going in that direction. The church isn't making much of an impact, really. But if the church was not here at all, that would be very scary. So I think that, I think that, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in the church and believers is making a difference in this world even if we can't totally see what it is. It's like, it's like you don't know what you got until it's gone, right? When it gets taken out and, and when God's presence is taken out, and many believe that that will happen at the rapture of the church when, when the church is taken away, what is it going to be like then when that presence, when, when God working the Holy Spirit working through His people. What is it gonna, how is it going to change? How is it going to be different? It's going to be very, very different. So when is this all going to happen? When is this going to take place? He, he was talking to them about it. When is it going to happen? He says it's going to be happening at the proper time. You know, God's time is always the right time. We've got to remember that. God's time is always the right time. We think we know when the right time is, but, you know, God's time is the right time. So we're waiting, we're watching, we're trying to be ready. Let me read to you some scriptures from, from the Old and New Testament about, the, Testament about this. In Daniel chapter 8, it says, He said, I am going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. There's an appointed time. God has an appointed time. It's set. He's not out there thinking, well, would now be a good time? You know, like you and I would do. Well, I think now would be a good time. And then we realize, oh, that, that was the, my, my timing is bad, right? Like telling jokes, you know, your timing has to be right. Val, where are you? What's that all about? <laughs> you know, our timing isn't, isn't always right, but God's time is perfect. The appointed time of the end. And here's another one in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 3. He says, For the revelation awaits an appointed time, and it speaks of the end and will not prove false. He says, Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. The appointed time, the time of the end, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Make no mistake about it. Just because we haven't seen it yet, just because we're tired of waiting, doesn't mean that it's not going to happen at the appointed time, at God's perfect time. Is that going to be in our lifetime? I hope so, but it might not be. Pastor Chuck, you know, was always hoping that it was going to be in his lifetime. But Pastor Chuck went home to be with Jesus. He doesn't have to worry about it anymore. You and I are still here. We still got to worry about it. We still got to think about it. We still got to look for it. Acts chapter 3, speaking about Jesus, says this in verse 21. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. When the time comes, he's going to remain in heaven until the time is right, until it's time to come. And then turn ahead. 1 Timothy chapter 6, just a few pages. 1 Timothy 6, 14 and 15. 
He says, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ, which God will bring about in His own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of, Lord of lords, who alone is immortal. Read that next verse. And who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one can't, has seen or can see, to Him be honor and might forever. That's the one we want to make the decision, the call. That's the one who makes the call when the time is right. He's going to bring it about in His own time. Now, just because it hasn't happened yet, should we be discouraged? No, we just got to learn to wait. But be watching, be waiting, be ready. That's what he says. He says here back now in, first, in 2 Thessalonians that, that when this does occur, when God says, okay, this is time, this is happening, he, he pulls back his restraining power. It says in verse 8 there, he says, and then the lawless one will be revealed. The lawless one will be revealed. We, we think we've seen evil in the world now. We have really seen nothing yet until this kind of steps up, until this kind of comes together. The lawless one will be revealed. The interesting thing about it, though, is that when he, when he first comes on the scene, he's not going to seem so evil. He's going to have all kinds of good ideas and, and, and actually bring together some people, and, and it talks about him making a covenant with the people, of, the people of God, the Jewish people. But then sometime into this period of time, we're going to see that, you know, he raises himself up to be God himself. Where does he have his inspiration? It says here that he has it from Satan, doesn't it? Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan. But I don't want to pass over this thing that when Jesus does come, he's going to destroy him, it says. He will, he will overthrow him with the breath of his mouth. That's all it's going to take, you see. There's no comparison. Just the breath of his mouth, just like, pfft. talk about blowing somebody away. That's what's going to happen. It's not going to take much because of the power and the majesty and the splendor of who Jesus Christ is. But in the meanwhile, what's happening there, he says this counterfeit. There will even be miracles and signs and wonders, supernatural stuff even happening. Counterfeit, imitator. Notice it says in verse 9 there, the coming of the lawless one. It's kind of like the same word that, that speaks about the coming of Jesus Christ. It's the same Greek word. But, but there's no comparison, right? It's like, a, it's like an imitation. And, and all along, he wants to imitate things. He wants to, like, you know, lift himself up. And so we see even this supernatural power that takes place. Well, these things that take place, miracles, signs, and wonders, and, and, and people are going to be in awe of it. But in no way is it in any way comparable to the power of Jesus, the power of our Almighty God. He says it's deception even supernatural things that are happening. It says there that deceives those in verse 10. Every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing, and they perish because they refuse to love the truth. Deception. Watch out that no one would deceive you. He said that already. Deceives those who are perishing and then he goes on to say why they're perishing. They perish because they refuse. 
to love the truth. They make a choice. We're going to talk about that next week. But I, I, I think I would be remiss if I didn't say right here and now that, that Jesus came to save us, that we wouldn't perish. For God so loved the world, the most well-known verse in the Bible and, and, and probably not as well-known today in our country as it used to be. I reckon you could ask, you know, uh, say 20 or 40 years ago, you know, what's John 3.16 say? And most people would probably know. But today... I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, one out of five might know. Seriously, I just made up that number, but, you know, it's, it's probably a small number. What's John 3, 6? We should, we should do that. Maybe that's a good idea, like, to uh, open up a conversation with someone. Hey, do you know what John 3, 16 is? I'm just doing a survey with your neighbor, with your wife. <laughs> no. <laughs> with someone you work with. Hey, I'm just doing a survey. Do you know what John 3, 16? I'm trying to find ways that we can open up conversations without saying, I'm going to witness to you now and sit down and I'm going to tell you the gospel. You know, but, but are there ways, you know, I'm just thinking about this. Are there ways we can like talk to people about what is really the most important thing in this world, which is Jesus? So would that work? Hey, I'm doing a survey. Do you know what John 3, 16 says? I just want to see how many people like really know what that says. <laughs> Would that open a door for you? I think it would open a door for us. So um, if some of you want to try that this week and then next week, let us know, okay? Remind me, because I might forget. Now let me do a survey right here. How many of you know what John 3.16 says? (laughs) Okay. Of course, you're here in church, you see. So there wasn't anybody here that needed to know what John 3.16 said. Well, I didn't look around at every hand. I didn't want to make you feel uncomfortable if you didn't know it. But John 3.16 says, For God so... Boy, what a, what a witness. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Uh, you're really excited about your faith. Huh? You're really excited about that verse, aren't you? For God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish. That's what he says here. Those who perish, who refuse to love the truth, but they would not perish but have everlasting life. That's something to get excited about. That's why it's the most famous verse in the world. That's why it's incredible. I remember watching an interview that uh, Greg Laurie did with Pastor Chuck some short while before he died. It was really a few months, really, I think. And, and Greg said to him, he said, uh, if you could preach on any verse, what would it be? And, and without hesitation, he said, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And he, and he talked about it there. He said, that's the most important thing in all the world. How many, I'm doing a survey, how many of you... No, John 3.16. How many of you have been changed by John 3.16? That's a better question. You're not going to perish. You don't have to worry because you love the truth, the truth of who Jesus is. He said he was the way, the truth, and the life. You love the truth, and you love Jesus, and so your life has changed, and and you're going to live forever in heaven. And, and, And this life isn't all there is. Thank God for that. Man, it's messed up here. My car keeps breaking down. The house is falling apart. 
The bills keep coming. When are you going to return? I'm waiting, but I'm trying, you know, I'm having a hard time here. Send me a text message. I want to know. Well, we're not the only ones that want to know. We're going we're gonna to finish our study today in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Because they had the same questions back then that they do now. That we do now. Let's start in chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Dear friends... This is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. I want you to remember what you've been taught, he said. Paul was saying the same thing in Thessalonians. I want you to remember that we talked about this. Look at verse 3. First of all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation, but they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. In verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Say, why are we waiting so long? Well, this verse tells us, Peter is telling us here that God is patient. He's being very patient because he wants more people. He doesn't desire anyone to perish. Will everyone receive him? No, everyone will not receive him. But that's not God's choice. That's, that's our choice. And I believe that we have been given an invitation to join the family of God. We've been given an invitation. Speaking at this memorial yesterday, you know, I, 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 just, I just said, you know, I want to give you the invitation that Jesus is asking you to be part of his family. I want to invite you. It's an invitation. You can either receive it or you can reject it. You know, we receive invitations in the mail and to go to this thing or to that function, we decide. We kind of put it off. Do you ever do that? They say RSV by, you know, June 2nd. And you go, okay, and then you put it on the shelf and you know, June 2nd goes by, June 5th, June 10th. Oh, yeah, I got RSV. I'm just putting it off and putting it off. It's an invitation. They want to know. Jesus wants to know. I'm, I'm inviting you to be part of my family. I gave my life for you. What is your decision? They said, said back in Thessalonians, they refuse to love the truth. They'll perish. But that's not God's choice. God doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't delight in the death of anyone, it says in the book of Ezekiel. 
but everyone to come to repentance. So what do we do in the meanwhile? Be patient. God's being patient with us. We need to be watching and waiting and ready. But in the meanwhile, Peter goes on to say, let's look, verse 10. He says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will disappear with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. He gives about four things here that we're going to see in these last verses of this chapter. The first thing he says, what, what should we do? In the meanwhile, while we're waiting, while God is being patient with us, he says, live holy and godly lives. It should affect the way we live. If we're really watching for him and we're ready at any moment and, and we, we believe that he could come at any moment, we're going to live like he could come at any moment. If we don't really care about it, we're going to just live any way we want to and wonder, like when he shows up and we're like, maybe where we shouldn't be, doing what we shouldn't be doing. You know what I'm saying? You ought to live holy and godly lives. That's not an old-fashioned concept. That's biblical. Holy and godly lives he wants us to live. Are we just like everybody else in the world? doesn't mean we, we don't you know, become all things to all men so that by all means we might reach some. But it doesn't mean we become unholy and ungodly to do that. That's compromise. The next thing, verse 12, As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, he says it again, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. He says you look forward. We live holy and godly lives and we look forward. We look ahead. We don't look back to the past. We look ahead. We press toward the mark for the prize. Forgetting those things that are behind, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. Look forward. Verse uh, 13, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Verse 14, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, three times we see that mentioned there, looking forward, he says, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Live holy and godly lives. Look forward and make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Make every effort, do something to live for him. Verse 17, excuse me, verse uh, 15, bear in mind, actually verse 17, that's right. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. Watch out for deception. Be on guard against error. And finally, verse 18 but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace. What does that guy on the radio say? Grow in grace or you'll groan in disgrace. 
He's been on the radio for like 50 years, I think, right? What's his name? John D. Bryan. Grow in grace or you'll grow in disgrace. We need to grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to grow. We get stagnated. We, we, just, we, we come to a place where we're not growing anymore because we're, not, we're just not in the basics of the Christian faith, in the Word of God, in prayer and fellowship and the breaking of bread. We're just neglecting some of those most basic things, and so we're not growing. Well, God wants us to grow. God wants us to grow. He wants us to grow in grace, and He wants us to grow in knowledge and knowing Him. God wants you and I to grow. Jesus is returning. We wait for it. But in the meanwhile, we, have, we can stay busy. We can do these things that Peter talked about. But know that His time is perfect. Let me read to you one more time that verse in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we, we do look forward. We look ahead to your return. Jesus, that you would return to this earth. You would return for us. And some of the many things that are going to take place, do we understand them all? No. Do we understand and, and know the perfect time of any, of any or all of these things? No, we don't. But you have it in your hands, and it's perfect, and it's going to be perfectly right. The timing will be impeccable. And so we have our eyes on you, just as the servant would have his or her eyes on the hand of the master. We keep our eyes on you that we might live holy and godly lives. That we might make every effort to be spotless and blameless and at peace with you. That we might watch out for error, that we might grow in grace. And knowing you, our relationship with you would grow deeper, Lord. We, we desire that. We want that, Lord. Forgive us. Search our hearts as we heard today and we sang today. Search our hearts. Search our thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in us and lead us in the way of everlasting. That's your word, Lord. Father, I want to also this morning give an invitation as we've already talked about for any maybe that, that, have, that have not surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior, that John 3.16 isn't yours yet, that you, you have not trusted and believed in Him. Well, today is a good day to make that decision, to receive that, that invitation, to say yes to Jesus Christ, because that will keep you from perishing. That will give you eternal life. Nothing else. Not being a good person. Not giving money. Not going to church. Not doing good works. But trusting in the Savior and Jesus Christ and, and the fact that He died on the cross for our sins. That He was buried. That He rose from the dead. Because God loved us so much, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And all we need to do is call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Call on His name. 
So you can do that right here and right now and simply say, Jesus, I call on your name. I believe you died for my sin. I am a sinner. I believe that you rose from the dead and I receive you into my heart and life. Come in. Change me. In Jesus' name, amen.